Interlude, three poems. This week I'm working hard, fleshing hides, tending jerky over the coals, cooking many meals of venison from the using the whole animal course where I'm assisting. Meanwhile, the beautiful Pennsylvania hills roll around us, full of birdsong, and the skies hold gyring turkey vultures, asking if we need all that white-tailed deer meat we're handling. We do. The students are hungry, and the hill between the kitchen and the camp is steep. But we will leave the raptor's scraps when we finished on Sunday night. It's only proper. Here are three poems that feel right for this moment. The first is a glimpse of how I write or draw, and brings a recurring childhood dream and menopause together. The second gathers all my gathering into one place, and queries the compulsion I have to unearth. The final one, from last autumn, is about class, and seems apt, given the aristocratic shenanigans in my home country this weekend. I am 5,000 miles away, and happily so. Today I had my first pang of homesickness, after almost three weeks away, not for Britain, but specifically for the sea view at the end of my road. My sister sent a photo from there of heavy leaden skies, a stormy sea and her wind-blown hair across her face, and, though standing in hot sunshine on a beautiful hillside, for a moment I suddenly longed for tea with my family in damp Dorset to see gorse and hawthorn rather than dogbane and Russian olive. And then I was back here again, right where I am, glad to be hauling a basket of homemade venison stew back up the hill. All the drawings this week are from dreams. I never rework or change spontaneous dream drawings. They capture something from between the worlds that melts under an improving eye. Also, I'm recording this on my iPhone for you, just before lunch on the last day of the course. Excuse any extraneous noises. Give each part a pen. In a strange bed, nearby, three small sleeping creatures. All her mothers stand there in a line, going back behind her, as far as the Ammonites, even to plankton. She feels a strong pushing forward sensation at the waist, and fire in the chest, like water just ticking, not a rolling boil. One mother says, So you think you have an outside chance? then plucks her up in a giant hand and with fingernail sickle sheathed, squeezes until her wriggling stops, but drops of blood drip from her. You have to write this down or draw it, says the mother. She replies, how? I am in pieces. Give each part a pen. Wrap each bloody limb in paper. Wait. Unwrap and attend to the blots. Fill in the gaps. Describe the stains. This is how you will see what I see. Heme. I want to tell you of the pull I feel when I enter the ochre grove and kneel, heft my trowel and dig until the bag is full. I barely look up to the singing woods or have a thought in words as I am drunk and overcome, but that's not quite right. Am I scoured? Dunked, mordanted, Madarose, cochineal, Brazil wood. But no, not these either. It's a mineral, not bug or plant. 
Almost nothing can draw my gaze from the green of woodland trees and moss or bareback winter boughs except this rusting luscious mud. When I chased Porcini in my youth, or hunted hedgehog, inkcap, chanterelle, some years I missed the canopy for months, attending only to some fragrant fungal swell. My eyes were always downward cast, until one day, as though awakened from a spell, my back straightened and I put away my knife and listened to the bellow call, a red deer stag on the hill at Lynn of Dee, and my acquisitiveness stung me like a slap. My cheeks were red, capillaries of shame, I dragged my city scarcity up with me on the train. In front of me, a drying deepest earths, making this mid-century table a hearth, an altar and a place of work. The levigation is complete. My tiny kitchen is alchemical alembic when I don't burn the toast or let the tea go cold. Huge jars of red are settling beside the kettle and the sink, the rubedo of the ochre, the albedo of the paper, the negredo of the ink. I want to tell you of the pull I feel when working with the wild, abandoned reel, a visceral delight in musky smells, sometimes borders on disgust. When mould blooms in jars, or the worm appears between the mica stars where I dig. A great magnetic pull breathes me in, sends me rushing, pulsing, singing through the world veins. This poem. This poem is for you if you name things plainly. Breastfeeding woman, insomnia, collapse, drought. This poem is not for you if you are analysing my... Use of line breaks. This poem is for you who must choose between food and heat this autumn, whose landlord has given you notice as Airbnb is more lucrative. You who don't have time off to be at the shelf where the food is reduced at 4pm. I write you my words and wrap them in comradeship. When the rain stops, blessed rain, blessed rain, I am off to the garden of the houses next door and opposite to gather fallen apples and pears, as I know you don't have the time, to core, peel and chop them, or freeze them for the winter. Then, after I finish today's efforts at trying to find paid work I can bear to do, I will prep them for grounded community gleaners and find time to deliver them by foot to behind my old school, as the Yellow Bust Company just went bust, and now we must walk everywhere. Maybe you are wondering... Is this poem not for me? I shall read it anyway. Her style is over-earnest and her form is lacking. Well then, this poem is also for you. In the way my songs were, that second time I went to the Laird of Kintour's house to sing for Hogmanay. The Art Deco Annex was full of objets d'art, priceless Minoan pottery, Mayolica bowls, ancient Greek and Egyptian artefacts. All arrayed on a shelf, gathering dust, picturesquely. You could just pick them up, as they knew no one they would invite would take anything. We had all been vetted, even we, the minstrels of 2004, with our southern accents and our fascinating day jobs. So yes, pop this poem on the shelf over there. I am that working class woman using the skills of her body to pay the rent. You can place me beside the finer wear as an example of your broad taste. I don't stick out too much. Blonde and well-spoken. The laird, 
killed himself in the classic backwards-through-the-hedge-carrying-shotgun accident, so the insurance would pay out. But this poem is not for him. It is for you.